The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. It's Matt Slick Live. Matt is the founder and president of the Christian Apologetics Research Ministry, found online at CARM.org. When you have questions about Bible doctrines, turn to Matt Slick Live for answers. Taking your calls and responding to your questions at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everyone. Welcome to the show. It's me, Matt Slick. Listen to Matt Slick live. And I hope you want to give me a call. If you do, all you have to do is just dial 877-207-2276. We have wide open lines right now. I want to hear from you. Give me a call if you want. And if you are interested, you could, instead of uh, doing that, you could just, uh, let's say you could... Um, Email me at info at karm.org, info at karm.org. And if you have any questions or comments, anything you want to uh, have you read on the air, uh, you can do that. And uh, we've got some people. They're always uh, emailing us. And um, uh, that's weird. Oh, that's interesting. So anyway, got some stuff going on. I'll have to check out all kind of stuff. So next week, I won't be in the studio for well for the next two weeks. Uh, I'll be on tomorrow and the next day. I'm going to Israel. And so um, Charlie Spine, he's a friend of mine. I've known him for decades. And he'll be filling in for me. And I hope that it works out well. I have a feeling that there's going to be a glitch or two because that's just how things work. But he's pretty good about stuff. So it'll be fun. And maybe he'll have some guests on. I don't know. Don't know what's going to happen. So if you have questions for him, then you can do the same thing. And you can also uh, email at info at karm.org questions you might have for him. So uh, he's actually the guy who got me started in apologetics by reading a quote to me. So he's been doing this longer than I have, and I've been doing it for 43 years. So uh, there you go, you know. At any rate, uh, but he uh, didn't, do it, didn't do it full time like I have, and uh, but he still knows a lot, a lot of good stuff. At any rate, there's that. Um, okay, so if you want to give me a call, eight seven seven two zero seven two two seven six, and like I said, you can email me at info at karm dot org. Info at karm dot org, and uh, if you have a question or a comment, I we're over the air. All right, having said all of that, uh, let's see, tonight uh, at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, I'll be on on um, Clubhouse, and I'll be doing a Q&A. I answer questions on Wednesday nights. In fact, I was on Clubhouse this morning for about an hour talking to some atheists. It was an interesting dialogue. I've really tried to be um, patient with them, and uh, I really have. Also, it reminds me, I said something last night. Oh, man, I was talking to some people. Uh, boy, did they, they, they reacted. I got talking to a bunch of other atheists. You know, I talk a lot of atheists, okay? I enjoy them uh, because their, their arguments aren't very good. But uh, so I'm talking to them, and uh, we talked about all kinds of And, and I got talking about, uh, it's going to be, kind of rambling here, talking about the end times and the persecution of the Christians. And the unbelievers don't sense or know or are aware of any persecution. So I told them, I said, look, this is what's going to happen. The Christian church is going to become weaker and uh, will Christian Christianity is going to be, become more and more 
ridiculed and Christians would be more and more persecuted to be canceled, you know. And, I, and they said, that's not happening. Oh, yes, it is. And I gave them some examples and some stuff like that. And I said, and the reason is because the LGBTQ Nazis are after us. And man, did they come unglued when I said that. <laughs> so I literally had to wait like two minutes before I could get a word in edgewise. They attacked me. You beg it. You, maybe you can't say that. And uh, you're there. You do this and you should be, you know, all this stuff. There's attacks. It was insults and the whole bit. And then I, I said afterward, I said, you see, you were doing exactly what I said would happen. You see, I, I have the right to say what I want. And if you don't like it, you talk to me. You say things all the time that I don't like. I think are, are uh, condescending to my Lord. And I'm re I repeat uh, what you say. We talk about it. I say, well, you, you said this. Uh, look, we talk about that. I'm polite to you. But if I say the LGBTQ Nazis or the alphabet uh, Gestapo or Nazi, whatever you want to call it, I said, then all of a sudden that's not permittable. I said, you see? That's exactly how it works. It begins with hatred, and hatred leads to violence. And this is what you guys are demonstrating. Now, they didn't have much to say about that because they were guilty and they knew it. But it was an interesting discussion. But I do believe that that will be the case. But anyway, this morning I had a good discussion working on some stuff and um, working on all these articles. Man, I got so much to do. I'm going to miss it when I'm in Israel, too. I'm going to miss writing and researching. Maybe it's a good break that I need. Uh, maybe the people on the bus will be asking me questions. Who knows? Who knows? So it'll be fun. And you know what? I'm, I'm wondering how many people who are listening to me are going on that trip. In fact, you know, just for fun, if you are, if you're listening and you're going on that trip, you want to call and say, hey, I'm going. Uh, they, please do. You know, maybe some of you can do that and can't say it. I don't know, at work or not or whatever. But uh, that would be, uh, it'd be fun you know, just to hear. But I'm sure I'm going to see a lot of people. I think we have like, uh, I think it's 25 people uh, that are going with through the CARM outreach and some stuff. So, there you go. All right, see, just blabbing, just, just talking, having a good time. If you want to give me a call, 877-207-2276. Let's get to Paul from Pennsylvania. Paul, welcome. You're on the air. Matt, how you doing, brother? Doing all right. Hanging in there. What do you got? Uh, so, okay, so on one of your, here, I'm going to turn my uh, Bluetooth off. Feedback. Okay. So, uh, yeah. yeah, there's the phone. Mm -hmm. um, on, on one of your, on, on one of your, uh, area, the subject of, you know, documents. You're breaking up published. a lot. You're breaking up a lot. So, I don't know what's, what's going on. But try it again. Hold on. Okay. Okay. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can. That seems to be better. Go ahead. Okay. So, what I wanted to share with you uh, on the CARM website, um, on the Mary subject of preaching and worship documents that uh, you wrote yeah. on November 11th, 2014, All concerning right. the. Uh, Vatican, uh, Vatican, Vatican, blah, Vatican Council Two. Yeah. If you go um, on there and go on page uh, right where you underline about Mary being the object of uh, preaching and worship, um, if you go above that paragraph sixty-five, if you read the paragraph, this is where it blew my mind. 
but while in the most but while in the most blessed virgin church has already re uh, reached that perfection whereby she exult, exists without spot or wrinkle the faithful it says uh let me get back to that the I can faithful, read it. yeah will strive to conquer sin and increase in holiness and so they turn their eyes to mary who shines forth to the whole community of the elect as the model of virtues devoutly uh mediating on her no meditating on her and contemplating her in the light of the word made man the church reverently penetrates uh, more deeply into the great mystery of, of the incarnation and becomes more and more like her spouse i would uh, stop having, right there that's what yeah. th- that's what concerned me so yeah, now we're we, we we are mary's spouse i thought we were the bride christ and i'm, uh, you know, I'm talking to uh, that. roman catholic mm-hmm. I'm, 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 I'm talking to Roman Catholics. I'm, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. You're breaking up again. Okay. So let me read this again. So I can put that in mind. Uh, uh, Sparta wrinkle, sin increasing holiness. They turn their eyes to Mary, who shines forth to the whole community of the elect as a model of virtues. Turn to Mary's idolatry. Anyway devoutly mediating on her meditating excuse me on her and contemplating her in the light of the word made man the church reverently uh, penetrates more deeply into the great mystery of the incarnation and becomes more and more like her spouse more than like her spouse the church becomes more like the spouse yeah she's uh, sometimes called the uh, the wife of god yeah okay Roman Catholics Voice of God, we're supposed. To... Right. Yeah, it's you're breaking up. Um, yeah, it's bad. It's just, it just all this is is idolatry. It's idolatry. Yeah. That's what it is. And the reason I put that page in, it's on the article, is because it says when she is the subject of preaching and worship, she prompts. Yep, they the already changed it. Son. Yeah, they changed it, but that's in the they... book that I have. I photographed oh, I it. Or, yeah, from the book I actually have out in my garage. It's one of the books I won't get rid of because there's a proof. So they said that, then they changed it. Well, you know, maybe people can change stuff. They they were to say we formally retract that statement as being false. Oh, okay, let's work with it. But uh, yeah, and then Mary. Yeah, I, has, I, I uh, apologize for breaking up. Uh, we're having problems with uh, T-Mobile uh, on the East Coast right now. Oh, all over. Okay, well, all right. So, but. Uh, yeah, it, it was. Um, I, I just wanted to point that out to you. No one, uh, I, I haven't heard anybody talk about the spouse part, and uh, yeah. it, it's just, it's just uh, amazing. And uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, they have eyes, but they don't see. They have ears, but they don't hear. Mm-hmm. And it's, mm-hmm. it, it breaks my heart. Yes, I'm glad it does. And the reason I'm glad it, well, it does is because. Because it shows you compassion in your heart for the lost. Yeah, it's. I mean, I asked one uh, in the Roman is Roman Catholicism true room. Um, this one gentleman, uh, if he were to die right now and go to heaven, and and uh, he would stand before a holy and just God, what would you say if he said, "Why shall I let you into my heaven?" He said everything, but because I believe in your Son Jesus Christ died on the cross for me and atoned right. for me with His blood. And and it's sad. 
Radio. It's a, it's just a, I'm just trying to do my best to to to, to shed light in the errors of uh, well, the, they what they believe. Here, let me help you out with that because that's a concern I have too. One of the things I've been doing lately is asking the Catholics to explain the gospel by which their sins are forgiven. They can't do it. I've not had a Catholic yet tell me. And you can go to Second Corinthians 4, verses 3 and 4, which says if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. That's Second Corinthians 4, 3. And you can read the next verse there. It's relevant. And I'll say, you don't even know the gospel. And the Bible says, because you're perishing. And I said, this is important. And I'll tell them, let me give you the gospel. And that's one thing I'll do. Another is I will ask them, if you pray to Jesus and you ask him to forgive you of all of your sins, will he do that? Now, they're going to have to say yes. But a lot of times they're going to say, well, yes, but. And then they've got to add Mary, add the saints, add their sacraments, add their crap. And so yeah. uh, I wait they're done. And I say, but let me ask you, if you're to pray just to Jesus and just ask him, I don't argue with them. I just focus. If you were to ask Jesus this, would he forgive you of all of your sins? And it's sometimes it takes 10 minutes to get an answer. And they'll yeah, finally it, give it, me an answer. It, it takes forever. Yeah. It's because then, they're entrenched. I, I, just in keep, church. I just keep giving them. I, I, I'm doing exactly what you're doing. Is uh, I'm, I'm pointing them back to the Lord. I'm, I'm pointing them back to the cross. And every snide comment, I just keep giving them scripture. Because scripture, you can't re- you can't refute scripture. Good for you, man. Hey, we got a break. If you want to hold, please do. If not, just hang up, and uh, we'll get back to you later. Okay. Hey, folks, we have five open uh, forum lines. Excuse me. If you want to give me a call, all you got to do is dial eight seven seven two zero seven two two seven six. We'll be right back. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. Let's get back on with Paul if he's still there. Hey, I guess you're still there. So, you want to add anything? Maybe he is still there, maybe he's not. I think he's gone. All right, we'll just move along. Let's get to Ryan from Pennsylvania. Ryan, welcome back. Uh, thank you, Matt. Um, again, I appreciate you inviting me to call. Okay. Um, I was looking on CARM, and I read your article, um, Reasons for Apologetics. And the third reason you gave was um, we do apologetics to keep people from hell. And um, mm-hmm. since you believe that God has chosen to be redeemed and the rest will be lost, how can you say apologetics or any other Christian activity keeps people from hell? God ordains the means as well as the ends. It doesn't matter if there's means. God has already determined who's going to be redeemed and who's going to be condemned. Yes, and he uses means to do his will. He uses the preaching of the gospel to bring the elect in, right? So should we preach the gospel if they're already decided, or should we not? It doesn't matter, because the elect will be redeemed and the rest will be condemned. Okay, that's called hyper-Calvinism, and uh, we believe in preaching the gospel because the gospel is that means by which God has ordained that people trust and believe uh, in Christ. So, we're just well, because God's that, ordained, that may be your responsible. I'm sorry? Well, you may be... Uh, um, by the way, you talk about people coming unglued and insulting you. 
It is you that has been insulting to me the last two times, and every time that I've insulted you, I have done a mea couple and apologized to you. And you have yet to apologize to me for it. Okay, what have I insulted you about? You, you uh, When we were talking about logic the other day, and you talking about that I was a kumquat, and you insulted me personally, and I, never, I, I, I was not impolite to you, and you were impolite to me and decided to descend into uh, personal attacks and insults. I don't recall that, Kumquat. Uh, I don't understand what that is. But um, uh, if I've offended you, I apologize. Uh, it's not intentional. I do think you need to study more. You know, I will tell you well, that. Well, um, Matt, I've been, I have been studying logic and critical thinking for 35 years. I have 35 hours of undergraduate in logic, and I have 25 graduate hours in logic. You have no formal training in logic. Okay. So when we're talking about logic, I am the one who's informed on this, and you are not. So you're, when you make personal evaluations and personal attacks on these things, and yes, it was offensive. And when you well, make personal attacks on these things, you are um, enforcing the idea that many people have of you that you are dishonest. Ah. Okay, so I'm dishonest. Um, all right. Uh, so I didn't say that. Just... I said that's the impression you give. Oh, that's the impression I give. Okay. Well, I'll have to work on that impression. You don't want to give the impression that I'm dishonest, since I believe that that's sinful. But uh, if you've had all these undergraduate hours of logic, then um, then uh, my comment to you is I think you need some more, because I think you make some mistakes. And just because you have undergraduate hours doesn't mean that you get things right. I can see through a lot of things that you say and had to correct you several times. And just because I haven't had formal training doesn't mean I can't study and understand these things. In fact, literally, just this morning, I spent about an hour and a half with people who know philosophy. I've taken some pretty good notes on stuff. My notes on philosophy alone are 60 pages. And I'm learning and studying all the time. But uh, you know, there is a factor of intelligence, not just education, and how we can put two and two together in different ways and, and understand things. And uh, I've caught you in logic mistakes several times. So just because you have your degree, your well, undergraduate Matt, hours doesn't mean that you're correct. Matt, um, have you studied Alvin Plantinga? I've read him. Okay, Alvin Plantinga is the greatest Christian logician that has ever lived. I have studied his apologetic methodologies. And when he talks about properly basic belief, logic is not a properly basic belief, and he goes for that, okay? And that, that, that is the direction that I'm going. You are positing logic and what you call the laws of logic as properly basic beliefs, and it's not. And okay, uh, so you are making critical mistakes uh, in asserting those things. So you go with Plantinga. Well, why not go with Bonson or you Vantillian or Clarkian? Do you go read those as well? Because they have differences of opinion with Plantica. Well, here's the thing. If you had read Greg Bonson, he says in his journal articles that there are multi-value logics, that logic does vary, that the science varies, and he, uh, he says that there are many values between true and false. Uh, I didn't say there weren't. You don't get what I'm doing. Well, when you talk <laughs> about the destructive syllogism and saying it's either uh, true or false and nothing in between, you are not uh, asserting that there are many values between true and false. You're wrong about okay, that. Let me, let me ask you a question. Is it true that 2 plus 2 is 4, or is it not true? Sure. Sure what? Sure. Which is it? It's true. Okay. It's true. So is it absolutely true that 2 plus 2 is 4? Is there a middle ground? 
Well, that is one example of something that does not change, but there are many things that do change. Well, so mathematics, which is based on logic, uh, is absolutely... Mathematics is not based on logic. Oh, it's not? So mathematics is not logical? No. Mathematics, Bertrand Russell tried to prove that exact point, and he failed. And he tried to do that with Principia Mathematica, and he failed. I'm just asking you, is logic, uh, excuse me, is mathematics logical? Is mathematics logical? Yeah. It can be, but it, okay. uh, it is, uh, there is no direct connection between logic and mathematics, no. Okay, there's no direction between logic and mathematics. Okay, so then, here's a question for you. Why does mathematics work in the real world, since mathematics is an abstract idea? Okay, mathematics is an extracted model from the world around us. The reason that it works is because it uses um, the world as a model and it extracts out from there. If you had studied mathematics, you would know that plane geometry works to a certain degree, and then when you get outside of Euclidean geometry, plane geometry no longer works. The same thing yeah, with calculus, that. the same thing with differential equations, the same thing with quantum mechanics. I understand, but they relate to actuality. How does a universal abstract principle then comport to actuality? If you say you extract it out of it, then what you're saying is you're apprehending a universal abstract principle out of materiality. How do you bridge the gap between that, between those two issues, the abstract right. and the, and the uh, material? I don't have to. I begin with, the, with existence as it is, and our, my encounter with existence as it is, as oh. an existing thing, with, with, through sense perceptions, I learn things about the world around us, and I extract models as predictions of the world around oh. us, and that is logic, and that is mathematics. And so you know the problems with empiricism then, right? Well, so sure, there's problems with empiricism, but we all begin uh, with empirical understanding of the world around us. That's how we begin. Yeah, all knowledge is with the empirical and the existential. No, it's not true. Not, all knowledge is not given. You don't know okay. all the cases of all knowledge to be able to say all knowledge is, is empiric based on empiricism. That That's is not what I said, Matt. That's not what oh, I said. Okay. What did you say then? I'm sorry. I said knowledge. I said all knowledge begins with the empirical. It does not end there. Oh. Okay. So how do you know that all knowledge begins with the empirical? How else does it get here? Okay. We no, begin no, no. with sense perception. Even our knowledge of God no. begins oh, with... Um, are either are hearing the word of God or seeing the word of God or sensing the presence of God, our knowledge of God oh, begins on. with the empirical. No, you're making universal truth claims based on empiricism. Empiricism, for those who don't understand, is gaining knowledge through your senses. But the problem with empiricism is you don't know if your senses are actually representing reality. You don't know the nature of it. It doesn't have to. Because yes, it does. It doesn't have you don't to. Have we a grounding. This is basic stuff. Come on. Hey, we got to go. There's a break, Ryan. Thanks okay. for calling. Okay, got to go. Hey, folks, we'll be right back after these messages. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Hey, everyone, welcome back to the show. Hope you enjoyed that little uh, repartee uh, in logic and philosophy. I try and keep that off the air here because few people understand what we're talking about, but I thought I would talk, talk with him a little bit about it. Nevertheless, uh, let's get to Mike from, let's see, North Carolina. Mike, welcome. You're on the air. Hey, Matt. Uh, that hey. was an interesting conversation you just had. Um, I'm assuming that that man is an atheist. Uh, no, he's, a, he's supposed to be a Christian. Correct? 
No, he's a he's supposed to be Christian. Oh, but uh, I would just say that uh, he doesn't ground the ultimate in God's nature and God's character and God's essence. And the reason, and by the way, this is a thought. This is not to speak about him out by his back, but the reason I ask about the relationship between mathematics, logic, and actuality is what bridges the gap. What? Why does they have this proper relationship? And I've been wondering about this. And I ask this of atheists. Now, he's not an atheist, but they'll say, well, it's an extracted model. But that's that doesn't work because that means it's empirical. And empiricism is simply the idea that you gain knowledge through your senses. But how do you know you're observing things properly? And how do you know that Bob next to you is observing it properly? Because his senses are different than yours. These are serious issues. These aren't just uh, tricks in words. These are serious issues. And empiricism is problematic. And then when someone says that you have all knowledge empirically, you don't know all knowledge to know if we have it empirically. And this, that's an assumption. And so what I find when I have discussions like this and I ask people, I say, the only way I can, I can bridge both is uh, between mathematics or the, the, the universal concepts, universals of mathematics and logic with the physical realm is if the ultimate uh, source of them is the, uh, the one God who's the one in the many. I get into philosophy and, and things like this and, and the particulars and manifestations, coherence and things like that. And so I'll have conversations like that, uh, you know, once or twice a month, maybe, but uh, not on the air generally. Anyway, I like talking about it. It's, for me, it's fun, but uh, at any rate. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Well, I enjoy hearing it. Uh, but anyway, the, okay. the, uh, the, the question I had was, um, when was the book of Revelation, as a matter of fact, when was the last date of the writing of the Bible? Was the whole of Scripture written before the destruction of the temple, or was it written after the destruction of the temple? Well, there's debate. There's discussion about that. Most uh, of it, I believe, was written before uh, 70 A.D., but it looks like Revelation was written in the 80s or 90s. So there's some people who say, well, maybe it was written earlier also, and I'm just not an expert in it. I can't tell you the the arguments for and against. Uh, I just don't know, but I've read commentaries that have, have said, so-and-so says this for this reason, that person says this for another reason. And so I would say it was written uh, anywhere from the 60s to the 90s, and I'll let the um, the experts uh, duke it out on that one. Oh, well, I won't believe the experts. You know what the definition of an expert is, don't you? Someone what? who knows more and more about less and less. <laughs> it's um, like, uh, it reminds me, you know, uh, uh, you get a bachelor's degree or a BS, we know what that stands for, and then an MS degree is more yeah. the same, more the same as MS, and then PhD is just piled higher and deeper. <laughs> so, I mean, it's like those. Yeah. <laughs> Got a kick out of those. But at any rate, uh, yeah, apparently uh, it was written was during the the uh, Emperor's Life Domitian, which is like uh, early 80s uh, to mid-90s. So that's where some of them say, I kind of lean towards that, that it was written at that time. That's just my opinion. Right. Um, well, then the, then that brings up the next question. Why is the destruction of the temple, which has to be Jesus's greatest prophecy? I mean, the temple was everything to the Jewish nation, uh, mm-hmm. not mentioned anywhere in, in, in the New Testament. There's no There's no mention of it. That's a good argument for why they're written before it. I use that argument with the book of Acts to date it before that. And uh, then we have to ask, is it in Revelation? And I don't know if it is or is not because it's so symbolic. 
Right. Well, actually, as, as I've, I've been studying the book of Revelation, which is, you know, kind of tearing my hair out at the same time. <laughs> uh, but anyway, <laughs> uh, what I'm finding is that there's an awful lot of passages in the book of Revelation, and I don't have it, I don't have my Bible with me right now, and I'm terrible at memory. If I didn't have a driver's license, I would forget my name. But, um, you know, as, so many passages in the book of Revelation are almost taken directly from the Old Testament. As a matter of exactly. fact, you can almost accuse, you, you can almost accuse the, the, the disciple John of plagiarism. Um, right. So I've, you know, I've, 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 I'm, I'm sort of disagreeing with you, Miles. I, go back I hear you. Yeah. But um, anyway, I thought I'd ask you, because I got into a discussion um, with a fellow brother, and and he believes in the late date, and I I believe, and I'm not sure, um, you know, I've, I've read the arguments for both, but so far it seems like the argument for the early dating uh, is the one that holds the most water, because in the book of Revelation, John is told to measure the temple. You know. Um, yeah, but what does it so, mean? See, I hate to be so mystical about this, but seriously, what does it mean? <laughs> I'm not just saying we can't know anything, but it's like, what does that really mean? And because then we have the Jerusalem, you know, it was 1,400 mile cube. It's like, what? What's going on? And so I, I don't know. But, you know, maybe Revelation what? was written earlier, but I just don't know. It doesn't matter as long as it's written and it's in Scripture. But someone I read once, they said, Revelation is like the index to the Bible. It's You look it up, you've got to go back and find out where it was re- referencing, that, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, let, me, let me ask you one, one more question. What do you know about uh, Dr. Kenneth Gentry? Nothing. Are you familiar with him? Nothing? No. Oh, okay. Because no. he has a book name. out... It's called Before Jerusalem Fell, but he okay. supposedly did his uh, doctorate dissertation on uh, on um, on the book of Revelation and when it was written. And apparently he's got some amazing books. Now, there's a couple of them that are a bit, a bit over my head, I think, uh, like, you know, 700 pages. Uh, wow, yeah. My attention span is not quite that good. Um, <laughs> I find as I get older, my attention span seems to regress more towards the infantile, but... Um, well, anyway, what you said, I'd respond. Thanks a lot. I, I appreciate it. I was, I was hoping you could just give me one of those, you know, right down the line answers, and I have, I'd have it, and I could move on. But apparently, I my search continues. Yeah, it's it's a, it's an issue, and Revelations had a lot of controversy about its date from the '60s to the '90s. But it's with a 30-year period, roughly, maybe 40, depending on how you know inclusive. But uh, you know, it's in the Bible, and uh, I, I just I study it occasionally and try and learn from it. So, okay, but it's a good question. It's a good question. All right? Okay. Oh. All right. All right, brother. All right, thanks, Matt. All right, man, God bless. Bye. Okay. Hey, just want to mention that uh, Jesus Freak 48 uh, thanks for the Rumble rant. That means a little bit of support, and you can do that. You can give uh, a little bit of money in that Rumble. That's not why we're doing it, but, hey, people like to support and like to help out, and so thanks a lot uh, from Jesus Freak 48 I like that, Jesus Freak 48 That's nice. All right, let's get on the air with Stacia. Hey, Stacia, welcome. Hi. Hi. Did you ask people to call in that are going to Israel on the trip? Yes, I know you are. Yes, I am. That's why I was calling. I'm picking up my granddaughter at the moment. But, 
You wanted people to call in if they were going, and you know I'm going, sure. but I'm calling in anyway. Well, good. Are you flying from, uh, what, Seattle to L.A.? Oh, yeah. Is that where you're going? Okay, so we'll be seeing yeah, you in on L.A. Sunday. Okay. Yeah, because you're flying in on Sunday because the trip is until Monday. Yeah, but it's the only time that we can um, or I can get in and allow time to go through customs before we get on the plane to go to, to Turkey. No, but the flight, we li- leave. When do we leave on? Uh, let's see. Like, we leave at like 1 o'clock, I think. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, so you just get in there the night before. Seattle, yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah, and then yeah, I'm, I'm reversing in. that on the way home. Yeah, I'm flying in uh, the day before also, and uh, got, got a hotel, so I'll be staying there. But um, then, but what's going to be bad is coming back. I got to get up at oh dark thirty to get, get on a plane to come back here. But anyway, that's what happens. That's the way it is. So yeah, well, well, okay, that's yeah, what you got to do when you're not in L.A. So that's right, Boise, Idaho. That's right. I wish I could have flown out of Salt Lake or something, but everybody's going to L.A. Uh, not everybody. So they're flying out of uh, New York and L.A. and then they're going. Yep. Except for the guys from uh, South America, they're flying into one's Paris and one is, I think, uh, in Spain, Barcelona, I think. But anyway, we're gonna, we'll be seeing. Wow, be that would fun. be fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It'll be fun. Yeah. So we're going to have fun. Well, I'm excited. I can't wait. I'm as ready as I can be. Well, we're going to have a good time. There's a lot of walking and uh, bus sitting yeah. and things like that, but it's it's great. And the best I've found is the people on the bus. You get to make these great uh, friendships on, on buses. People are just in a good mood all the time. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm totally to excited. And you get to meet Eric, too. Eric Johnson. He's great, too. You'll, you'll have a good time with him. All right, Stacia, there's a break. God bless. <laughs> We're looking forward to bless seeing you. you. All right. Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye. Yeah, Stacia used to live here in Idaho, then moved to Washington. She's going to have Bible study. She's a sweetie. Hey, we'll be right back after these messages. 877 207 We'll be right back. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the show. If you want to give me a call, 877-207-2276. Right? Oh, here was it. All right, let's get to Teresa from Ohio. Hey, Teresa, welcome. You're on the air. Hi, Matt. How are you? Doing all right. Hanging in there. Hanging in there. So what do you got? Yes, um, that gentleman there. The gentleman that called in, um, and, uh, oh, my gosh, um, I know he probably knew a lot of what he was talking about, but I think he needs to study a little more on self-control and anger. He got me totally confused on something. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Uh, well. You know when y'all was talking about um, God's elect? Okay, yes. I guess I don't understand that, okay, I guess what I don't understand is that if God already has his elect chosen and he knows who he's going to choose for salvation, I don't understand that. Because he says that he doesn't want to see anyone lost. Oh. So could you maybe kind of okay. explain that a bit? Yeah, I'll give you the short version. Um, in Ephesians okay. 1, 4, God the Father chooses the elect 
chooses people, that's what it is, in Christ, uh, to be holy and blameless, he predestines okay. them. So the choosing is done before the foundation of the world. That's what Ephesians 1, 4 says. That's what it says. Second Thessalonians okay. two thirteen says, you've been chosen from the beginning for salvation. And so this idea of God choosing people for salvation is right there in Scripture, even though most people's eyebrows shoot up in the air when I tell them. And I quote them where the references are, and I show right. it to them, and I'm really surprised. Acts 13.48 says, As many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. And the word appoint uh, is tasso in the Greek, which means to set into place, to put in order, right. Right, where things are to be specifically. As many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. So what we know is that because God knows all things, and, he, and nothing can occur without his permission, then every event that occurs in the world works after the counsel of his will. Ephesians 1, 11. He works all things after the counsel of his will. So our free will choices, all free will choices, work under the counsel of God's will. They cannot be independent of God. They cannot exist independently of his work and his will and his permission and sovereignty. And that would be a heresy for anybody to say that they do. So... Right. When God elects, that's what he does. Uh, that's what the Bible says. I'm sorry, but that's what it says. If people don't like it, then don't read the Bible. Yeah, but it's sure. there. Election's all over the place of, of individuals as well as, um, as as groups. So anyway, now, uh, so we should evangelize because that's the means that God uses to accomplish the saving of his people. Jesus said he came to save uh, the lost. And he says, all that the Father gives me will come to me, John six thirty seven. Now, when you talk about That's the issue... That's why he, he says that his, he says that his, his, his uh, sheep, whatever, know his name. They hear right, his, his voice. voice. Right, John 10, 27, okay. 28. Yeah, I, I agree with right. you on all that. Okay. Now, um, when it comes I to the issue of... 12 years. I'm sorry. Anyway, I got saved at 12 years old and uh, didn't understand it too much. Didn't have anybody really training me up in it. Um, kind of got a little astray, got into the world. But even in the world, I still felt that God had his hand on me. And here I'm now, I'm 66 years old. And I've been uh, following him and, and doing, you know, being obedient for years. But I guess what I want to say is I've always felt that he has hand on me, that I always felt that he had been calling me, even through the bad times out there. So I agree. I just kind of got a little teeny bit confused. But uh, I just want to say I appreciate your show. And, um, yeah, Ali, I don't know how you got through that. (laughs) You also asked about uh, the other part about he wants all to be saved. That is an interesting yeah, study. Yeah, he says that he doesn't want anyone lost or anyone to perish. See, that's an interesting study because he talks about this in Second Peter 3, 9 and First Timothy 2, 4. Uh-huh. And yet, at the same time, uh, Jesus speaks in parables so that people will not be saved. That's Mark four ten through 12. So there's, right, there's right. all, and it's it's a fact. So we have to harmonize them, and there is a way to do that. It's not hard, but there's a way to do this. Some people just say, "Well, he wants all to be saved." That's it. So they, that's the way it is. I'm not thinking any further. I'm not looking any further. I'm not going to be challenged any further. That's what he wants. And the reason that we don't all get saved is because of our free will. So people, when they right. they espouse this, are actually espousing humanist philosophy, and they don't realize it. They're not having God-centered theology, because Jesus says, you can't come to me unless it's granted to you from the Father, John six sixty five. Yeah, he calls. That means... Unless he calls you. Mm. 
it means that that All right, uh, well, I the, guess I'll... it means that those who he doesn't grant it to don't come to him as hard as that may be that's what it says because Jesus says in John 665 you can go 666 just back one verse John 665 yeah you cannot come to me unless it's been granted to you from the Father and he, God, uh, Paul the Apostle says that God grants that we have faith, Philippians one twenty nine. So mm-hmm. that's those are the facts. And Jesus speaks in parables, so people will not be saved, Mark four ten through twelve. And in Second Thessalonians two, I think it's verse eleven. Let me check. Yes, for this reason, God will send uh, upon them a deluding influence so that they'll believe what is false. So God's sending an influence that deludes them, and they believe what is false. And so if God wants everyone to be saved, if that's what it means, then why are these other things there? This This is when we have to say, okay, now we've got to sit down and talk and think. And this is what I've been doing for years, working on these uh, types of topics, and I can tell people how right. to make sense of it. And there's, it's a bit of a study. It's not complicated. I just show them things. Look what the Bible says. Look at the, how God uses the word here. Look what he's doing. And you won't know that if you don't do a study like that. That's all. That's right. Mm-hmm. And I, I write down this stuff, and then that's what I'll, I'll stay on now because, you know, you have clarified it. And I was kind of on the right track, but it kind of, you know how you can get confused a little. I appreciate oh, you clearing it up for me, and I, I just really love you doing what you're doing. Well, praise God. And I hope you enjoy Charlie when he's on for the next two weeks uh, after this weekend. Uh, <laughs> I uh, will. I will. Yeah, Charlie's right. a good guy. Thank you so and he much. may not agree with me on everything, too. <laughs> and that's okay. It'll give you his opinion. All right? That's okay. okay. <laughs> that's right. what makes uh, life kind of exciting, right? Yes. All right. right. Thank you. All right. Sure. <laughs> Okay, let's get to Spence from North Carolina. Spence, welcome. You are on the air. Hey, Matt. First of all, I just want to say I appreciate your show. I listen to it quite often um, during my commute back and forth from work. Um, The question I have for you is that um, I came across online a topic about uh, Satan and the archangel Michael um, mm-hmm. having war for for the body of Moses. And I just want to get your, your take and your perspective on it before I go home and do some research and studying as to where I can find the scriptures that support it or don't support it. Well, he's, the issue of the body of Moses is talked about in uh, Jude 9. And I think it's a reference out of, I'm looking at my notes, my Bible program here, it helps me out. I don't want you to think I got all this memorized. But Deuteronomy 34, 6, he buried him in the valley of the land of Moab opposite Beth Peor, but no man knows his burial place to this day. So are you asking why uh, no one knows and what the dispute was about between Michael and the enemy? Yes. Was it for the body of Moses or for... Okay. Well, there's conjecture. We don't know because the Bible doesn't say. However, I would venture to guess that the reason that the body of Moses was hidden is so that the Jews there would not either dig it up or take some remnant of him or it and turn it into an idol. That's what I suspect is the case. Okay. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Uh, uh, Well, 
Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Well, uh, you say lifted up the snake, remember that? And uh, yeah. they, there's, uh, I forget where it is, but they were worshiping it. In, um, I'm trying to find it where it is, but I can't remember where it is. That later on, the Israelites started worshiping it. It had to be destroyed. It's either in, I, I forget where it is, but I remember reading that. So people just have this, this habit of, of being idolatrous. I mean, look at the Catholic Church. Look at the Eastern Orthodox Church. Look at the secular world. So, you know, they'll get that, rid of that body, hide it, so that it can't be used as a, fo- a focal point of idolatry. That's what I, that's my opinion. I, I lean towards that. Okay. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. Well, God bless. All right. Well, okay. We have about uh, four minutes left in the show, or three minutes, I should say, and uh, nobody's waiting. Let me see if I can find an email or two and uh, to kind of get to, because sometimes people... Uh, here's one. Uh, you have one listed as parallelism, parallelism uh, but I thought it was something else as well. Ask, seek, knock. Out of Matthew 7, the first word is ask, it leads to three in total. I mean, that, yeah, that's what that is. It's called chiastic structure. Okay, well, that's not really a question or anything there. Um, okay, so, all right, let me talk a little bit about idolatry. Uh, idolatry is giving to the creation or some aspect of creation that which belongs to God alone. So, God alone is the one who is eternal who hears all our prayers, who answers our prayers, who is the Holy One. He is the one who alone possesses these things because that's the nature of God. If someone were to give a characteristic or an attribute that belongs to God alone and give it to a created thing, that's idolatry. Now that's a direct form of idolatry. So it's idolatrous when the Roman Catholics, for example, give an attribute that belongs to God to Mary. So God can hear all our prayers all the time, spoken and thought in different languages, and knows the intentions of our heart. This is a quality of God. But I've had so many Catholics tell me, for example, that Mary could do the same thing. Hence, idolatry. Because you're giving to a creature that which belongs to God alone. Now, if you're a Protestant, you wouldn't do that kind of a thing. But let me ask you, is there something else in your life that might be considered an idol? Now, I'm not, you know, just you know, just swinging in the, in the air, hoping I can land on something. I'm, you know, just something to think about. We have to be careful because we don't want to give security and credence and our hope in objects and things, but ultimately should be in God. That's not to say we can't trust a good car and and an airplane and things like that. I'm talking about the the goal of adoration and worship which belongs to God. Are you putting it in a thing, a person other than God, Um, and, and things like that. So, you know, when my wife had open heart surgery, I had confidence in the doctors. And they saved her life because something happened on the table and she would have died. And these skilled surgeons literally saved her life there. Not only were they fixing her heart, but something else happened and they, they saved her. So I'm not giving them an idolatrous uh, appreciation, but a trust in their capability. But God is the ultimate source of the wisdom and the ability that they have and they were given. Anyway, we could talk about this quite a bit, but the point is that we need to make sure that we don't give to the creation that which belongs to God. He is the one 
who we need to bow the knee to in worship and adoration. But it's okay to trust your doctor and and your liability to your car. That's not idolatry, okay? All right. Hey, by God's grace, we're back on here tomorrow. Tonight, in two hours, I'll be online answering questions on Clubhouse. And you can go to karm.org forward slash uh, social hyphen media and you can check out the link and stuff there for clubhouse on there to join it another program powered by the truth network